Hey everyone, it's Clarissa here from the Thriving Through Menopause podcast. You know, as I talk to women around the world, I know that more than ever, we're looking for holistic ways to manage our menopause and to feel empowered that we're in control of our own health and healing during this vital life transition. I sit down each week with amazing guests to talk about ideas, strategies, approaches, and opportunities to help us thrive through menopause. Episodes drop every Tuesday, so I hope that you'll join us. And I have a little request for you, that if you find value from the stories, lessons, and wisdom that we share, I'd like you to support this podcast. One way you can do that is to hop on to wherever you listen to podcasts and like and subscribe and share it so that others can hear the messages too. You might want to buy me a coffee to help me keep this podcast up and running. And I'd love you to subscribe to my newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Don't forget, episodes drop every Tuesday and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being part of this community, listening to this podcast, and I hope that you enjoy the new content that's coming up in this new season. Welcome to this week's episode of Thriving Through Menopause, and I've got a treat for you because we are really going to dive into the whole aspect of holistically managing menopause, and I am thrilled to be here with somebody who's a real pioneer of managing menopause in a holistic way. That's Dr. Prince Hall. Thank you for joining me. What an honor. What a pleasure, Clarissa, to be here with you. You are just spreading such important messages and I'm right with you in terms of that. So thank you. Well, I I mean, let me just tell my listeners a little bit about you before we dive in, and I'm sure we are going to have a lot to talk about here. <laughs> I mean, you are the medical director and founder of the Hall Center, which is a holistic medical center, and you specialize in, in women's health, also working detox and weight loss. But you started out life as a gynecologist, didn't you? Yes, I did. I went to the Keck School of Medicine, USC, and I did my residency there at the big county hospital. So I took care of some of the most needy and uh, really sickest patients that, that you can imagine. And um, I thought when I was done with my residency in gynecology as a surgeon, as delivering thousands of babies, that I was ready to serve. I was amongst the best to be able to help resolve and help women move forward with their lives. And I got out into my private practice in Santa Monica and I realized I knew nothing about menopause. It was just devastating to me that I would be kind of doing what I was taught about menopause and my women would be crying, saying, please, Prudence, please help me. You know, and it's like, you're not helping. Oh my God, you're not helped. <laughs> and I went into <laughs> gynecology because I have four sisters in my family and one wonderful brother. But we, you know, this was during the women's movement. And I, I was here, sent here. I, I felt a little bit like Sean Dark at the time, perhaps misguided <laughs> in that way. But you know, that I was really sent to help women understand their bodies and to receive compassionate care from another woman who really knew what menstrual cramps are. <laughs> anyway, I, it was total disaster the first few years. I wanted to quit my my profession, and uh, wow. that's what propelled me into. Wait, we got we got to learn this. We got to learn how to really holistically in an integrated way approach women who can be as young as is is really their their late thirties. Now menopause is about forty four to about forty nine. Yeah, and so thank God you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think we're, I don't know whether you agree, but I think there are women who are much younger now that appear to be in perimenopause than maybe there was 10, 15 years ago. This is absolutely my experience too. Absolutely my experience. So women start to, and I've measured really hundreds of thousands of levels 
in terms of in terms of following the trajectory of women all the way from postpartum to being 18 years old to being you know 30 all the way through to 90 I think 96 is the oldest person I'm taking care of but yes our hormones start to decline in our late 30s and by our early 40s I would definitely say that most women are in perimenopause and perimenopause means that the hormones are just lower than they were in our 20s and early 30s. Can we have babies? Yes. I had my last child at 41. We can. Uh, I have women who have delivered at 47 and 48. That's really in the, the very unusual range. But still, we have hormones. We just don't have as many hormones. But this is completely, I would say, tragically ignored and not understood by most people in the medical field. That when a 35-year-old woman comes in and says, Prudence, I've gained weight, and I'm, I mean, I'm thinking about one of my patients I saw this morning, Clarice. Her name is Gloria. And I thought, oh, Gloria, you know, we're in the presence of <laughs> glory here. But, you know, she, she was 34 years old, and she said, I've gained 15 pounds. I have terrible PMS for now. It was, you know, a couple of days. Now it's 10 days. I cry all the time. My sexuality is lower. Uh, you know, Prudence, you know, perimenopause. Oh, yes. Normal, normal sort of ranges, but not ideal in terms of her levels. So it's yeah. like we need to, yeah, we need to let younger women know that it happens younger. Yeah. And I, and I think we still, when we approach or talk to younger women, they go, what do you mean? I've just had a baby. Why are you talking to me about something that's to do with 50-year-old women? You're seeing that clinically. I'm seeing that in, in women. This shift in their menstruation, in their moods, in their sleep that is coming in their 30s and, and uh, very early 40s. Yes. So that's good to know what younger women should look for. And it's exactly what you said. Sleeplessness, more PMS, more moody, more more anxious, um, Sometimes, I mean, one of my symptoms when I was quite younger was sort of obsessiveness. Now, as a doctor, I tend to be a little bit, a little bit, you know, <laughs> we got to make sure that we cover all the, the, the you know, the T's and the, not the I's. But it's just like, Prudence, you're nuts. <laughs> Why are you thinking that the door handles are dirty? I mean, you know, so that that is a symptom, being more obsessive, being more scared, more you know, the moods are definitely memory loss, waking up in the middle of the night, weight gain. These are so common for women to recognize. It's not really my fault. It's not because women come to me blaming, blaming themselves. It's not your fault. It's something that, that is happening to us. And we can actually take greater control and guide that process into a very positive state. Yeah, I, and I love that positivity. Talk about a holistic approach. When you when you say that, what does that encompass for you as a as a clinician? Yes. So I view people as having a biological age, and that's how you know what is their cholesterol, what is their sugar level, their chronic, their four month sugar marker called the A one C. What is their skin like? What is their muscle mass? Their bone density? You know what are their thoughts? And you know, really, who is this person biologically? And then there's the chronological age, and that's you know I'm seventy three. It's up and around the, the the sun quite a few times, and uh, and then there's an emotional age, and. In perimenopause and menopause, sometimes we regress in terms of our, our, our emotional age, that, you know, we've learned how to really communicate and how to be patient and how to listen. And in perimenopause and menopause, we're exploding and we can't control that. So, you know, the emotional age, I definitely approach. And then there's the connection to, to source, connection to our own inner essence. Who are we? Why are we here? What what makes what what creates our bliss? As Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. You know, and really, who who is the God within? And and so, in terms of doing that, you know, there's a conversation that started with women, and depending on where they are in menopause, you know, this conversation can be a very dark one, where really a quarter of women come to me and say, you know. 
you got to fix it. If not, then it's like, okay, I promise you, we will fix this. And this is my sacred promise to you, is that you are going to soar like an eagle. You're going to be, you know, you're going to leave this behind you like the skin of a snake that's no longer needed. And, you know, acupuncture is beautiful. That's a holistic method I use. I use bioidentical natural hormones, which are the same hormones that our body are making exactly, not the old hormones. You know, I haven't used those in three plus decades, you know. (laughs) We don't want that. We don't want that. But, you know, lifestyles, getting you to sleep again, you know, really helping the, um, you know, what you're eating and the quality of food you're eating and, you know, doing herbs. I love herbs. And my daughter is in my practice and she's a naturopathic doctor. And over the years has taught me a lot about, you know, the herbal approach and healing, healing the gut, getting you on a good exercise program. that's not going to be stressful to the body. And, um, anyway. so I love that. I mean, Prince, that is just such a complete picture for women. And I loved how you mapped out those ages because yes, we've got, whatever clock we've got on the clock, you know, you're six, I'm 63, you're 73, but you're right. There is a biological age, which can be quite different. I mean, we can be a lot older, can't we, than our chronological age if we haven't taken care of ourselves as women. And of course, emotionally, I think sometimes we feel a bit like 15, (laughs) not not 40. (laughs) We've been there. We've been there. We have been there, but but it, that that is so complete. So someone comes to you. I mean, you're obviously doing uh, quite a bit of testing, if I'm correct here, to help women know where they are. What what typically do women then, you know, experience working with you? So when before I see a new a new woman, a new client, um, I make sure that I have blood work with their ovaries, first of all, ovarian blood work, that would be estradiol, the estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, and this very important uh, hormone that gynecologists do not follow. It's called the follicle-stimulating hormone, and it's a pituitary hormone. When that starts to rise, even a little bit, that starts to indicate a perimenopausal situation and also a stress situation within that woman. And then I look at the thyroid. You, you, you can't go through menopause without it, looking at the thyroid and making sure that it's it's still steady because menopause is a time when women become hypo or low thyroid. And those symptoms can, uh, can mimic menopause almost exactly, not quite, but almost exactly. So we treat the ovarian hormones, but don't treat a thyroid that's decreasing as we age, then we're missing a big part of the picture. And then, of course, the adrenals. So I deal yes. a lot with stress. Uh, stress, the adrenal glands sit right on top of the kidneys, and they create DHEA, cortisol, uh, pregnenolone, the fight and flight hormones. And, oh, aren't we stressed? We are so stressed in this, you know, as women and as, you know, as humans on this planet now. And then I then I check the, the sugar levels. How mm-hmm. How much damage you have due to sugar that's coating all your cells and it's causing sort of a cellular dysfunction. And then I, I look at the D3 hormone. People call it vitamin D, but really it's our skin, this whole skin that's an endocrine gland that, that can really help um, decrease uh, breast cancer, colon cancer, flus and colds, dementia. So hormones, when they decrease, don't only cause these myriad of symptoms they also, you know, increase and give rise to the chronic diseases of aging, yes. which you know about. We all, yeah. I, but I want the audience to really know that it's not yeah. just feel better. It's like actually allow a radiance to come into your body where you don't have to have a heart attack or a stroke or, you know, it's all about decreasing the risk factors. So I follow those markers of heart disease and homocysteines and, you know, all the markers for inflammation and things like that too. Yeah. And I mean, that I, I question you. I mean, we are seeing, as you said, women who are so stressed today. I think that 
Professor Anise Mukherjee, who you surely know, is a leading endocrinologist in the UK. She mentioned on our summit last week that she felt that this was the most overworked, overstressed generation of women that she has ever come across. Is that what you would concur Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. We have a hundred times more stress than our grandparents had. And we're the first generation who are living uh, uh, shorter lives than our, our grandparents and our parents. So stress is something that I, I really work with. Um, when you look at the, 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 the types of stress that, that we deal with, we're dealing with careers that are very stressful. You know, we all came through COVID, which was extremely stressful. Um, uh, you know, children who are, who are, you know, very demanding while trying to also support, <laughs> to support a family. Yes. I mean, women, we, we carry, we carry tremendous amounts of stress. And stress yeah. is, is really, along with inflammation, is really one of the core root causes of about 90% of cancer. So you don't have to get cancer. No, and of course we are we are seeing that impact of stress directly on estrogen and progesterone as well, aren't we? Levels. Oh yes, yeah. oh yes. Yeah. When I work with uh, uh, infertility doctors, you know, fertility doctors, uh, and uh, I learned this quite a long time ago that when the FSH is high, higher than ideal, stress really is playing into that. So stress lowers men's testosterone, which is a core very important hormone, but really it devastates our hormones too. So time, deep sleep, eight hours, nine hours. I slept nine hours last night. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, then I'm up like a racehorse and out the door, you know, but it's, it's sleep is important and it's a way to really restore the adrenals. And um, meditation. Do you talk about meditation with your? We, I definitely do. I mean, I'm a I'm a mindfulness practitioner, and oh, I work oh a lot with meditation and have oh, done. Awesome. I I mean, I started meditating when I'm like thirties, and I found for me personally, as my my listeners will know, that I came back to meditation and mindfulness practices as part of managing my own menopausal anxiety. And it was amazing. It's very, very helpful. Sometimes even the practice of you're in the middle of, you know, terrible stress, uh, stuck on the freeway, you're late for picking up the kids, you're late for important meetings, you know, you're, you know, we just feel it like, like, you know, just like a boiling pot. And yeah. just one technique that's very effective is simply to take a deep breath. Hold it a little bit at the top. So three breaths like that. And I've measured stress responses in really hundreds of women. And it's just like, how could this be? How could they go from a stress <laughs> like here in three breaths? Are you kidding me? So that's something that just in the moment I do all day long. I start running behind with, with my patients. And I, okay, okay, so, so that can just help in the moment. And a meditation practice is beautiful. It is. It, it definitely and definitely and you you mentioned I think importantly the thyroid and we've had people come here and talk particularly mm. about things like Hashimoto's now the oh, thyroid yes. is such a key part isn't it of all of us Absolutely. I mean you know when women come and they talk about the brain fog and the depression I mean the thyroid has a big role to play in very important. I wrote the uh, forward to Anthony Williams' uh, uh, thyroid healing. He's the medical medium, and I, over the years, have gained such respect for this man. Oh my goodness, he is, you know, approaching Hashimoto's in a in a very integrative way through diet and through, uh, you know, some supplements. And what I found is that after the birth of a first or second child, or more, as with more uh, children, the thyroid gland decreases more and more. So part of postpartum depression is that estradiol levels fall from these huge levels like 12,000 all the way down to five. And also the thyroid stops functioning. So women are very depressed by the lack of thyroid in their low estrogen. And um, the thing, I'd just like to say that 40% of women's thyroids 
are never diagnosed. So rather than go to the core root cause of, hey, what's causing the depression? What's causing the weight gain? You know, what's causing the, the memory loss and the, you know, this foggy brain? Rather than really investigating it, women are put on Adderall or more cute brain or, you know, these terrible, uh, <laughs> you know, misused, I would say. You know, it's appropriate probably in some cases. Uh, medications and antidepressants. And, um, you know, it's never discovered. And that's because the thyroid-stimulating hormone, which is a pituitary hormone, is only 60% diagnostic. And endocrinologists in the United States use that number almost exclusively to say you have low thyroid or not. I mean, do they give the questionnaire that, that needs to be given about symptoms? No. I mean, women will come to me saying, I've seen three endocrinologists and, and you know, nobody picked this up. And I'm now, you know, they're off their medications. I mean, this, happ this happens every day almost in terms of with new patients. Mm -hmm. So yeah. thyroid is very, very important right yes. here in the so yeah, that, that small that. thing that sits here that controls so much. Yes. Yeah, yes. definitely. And I mean, it tends to be low thyroid, doesn't it? Although you can have an overactive, you can low have thyroid. an overactive one. And what is one of the causes of, of Hashimoto's? Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition where the body rejects the thyroid. It doesn't know that the thyroid is our own uh, organ. And it starts rejecting it, and be, it becomes very inflamed, and we're rejecting it, and then the thyroid hormones decrease quite, quite low. And you know, there's a lot of volatility in the hormones. So menopause causes and gives rise to many diseases of autoimmunity, and also viruses like Epstein-Barr virus and cytomegalovirus. So rather than just say can't do anything about it we can we can treat the viruses and we can can you know by correcting menopause and helping women's hormones to become youthful we decrease that autoimmune drive that menopause creates yeah and i mean that's really really serious when we think about the autoimmunity because it spreads in many organs of the body doesn't it not just the thyroid but you know affects our gut and yes. our brain Absolutely. I deal a lot with the gut. So it's kind of like this. I just happened to have my pen from this morning. So it's <laughs> when estrogen is low, yeah. what is, is rising is inflammation, which, you know, inflammation, you can feel it in your joints, you can feel it in the headaches that women get, you can certainly see it in the autoimmunity that arises, inflammation causes that. Estrogen is low, when estrogen is low, there's more stress. So menopause is a state of tremendous stress for women. Um, not just because we don't feel well, but things aren't working inside of it. Yes. And, you know, hormones are the body's software. So when we're losing, boom, we lose a huge amount of our software, then, you know, the, the stress rises and sugar levels rise. So menopause can create uh, insulin resistance or prediabetes in so many women that I see. And and also diabetes, so low estrogen, high sugar, high inflammation, high stress, and then the cholesterol goes up, the LDL cholesterol and the ApoB, these, these small sub, you know, dense particles, ApoB, mm -hmm. uh, 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 the LDL uh, P, so, yeah. You know. So we're really putting the body into this inflammatory state, um, and we're increasing the risk, aren't we, then of heart disease, of potentially other gut issues that can occur and of course everything's interrelated so and then the risk between the heart brain connection then the risk obviously of dementia etc goes up absolutely you know one of the one of the clues for me very early in practice within the first year or two that i was in practice uh was that women would come to me in their early 40s or in menopause and say, Prudence, you know, I have regurg and I have reflux and I'm bloated. And it's like, huh, you know, that's so interesting. And I realized this is one of the symptoms of menopause that's not widely recognized at all. And it's due to the inflammation that menopause and low estrogen causes. So, uh, 
you know, I used to kind of just jump right in and, and try to correct the, you know, the, the gut problems. And it's not a bad idea to, to screen for parasites and, you know, to do some of the corrective things like, you know, bringing more uh, digestive enzymes, possibly acid into the, into the digestive system, making sure that we're eating correctly, that we've eliminated um, foods that we're intolerant to, such as I would say the major ones are gluten, dairy, corn, nightshades, things yes. things like that, sometimes soy, you know, things like that. So we can always test for that. But um, yeah, we, we want to try to, to keep the inflammation down and, and uh, you know, the gut will heal as the inflammation decreases. And also as the inflammation increases in the gut, <laughs> inflammation spreads everywhere. So it's, yes. it's like a circle like that. You know, down <laughs> the yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and reflux is much more common and I think women don't always connect that to their perimenopause and menopause. But of course they're given PPIs to just treat it and then told to go away. And you can only eat those for a very short period of time and they have horrible yeah. side effects. Yes, I am not in favor of that is a chronic therapy whatsoever. Because that's yeah. just saying Oh, the leaves on the trees are turning brown. Let's paint them. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. mean, I started studying functional medicine with Jeff Bland way back when, you know, I, I started realizing, oh my God, Western medicine does not really seek the core root cause of diseases. No, it's it just, no. it's, it's, thank goodness, it's now becoming a little bit more, um, common but you know yeah. we're doing a lot of painting of those leaves yes Lipitor. yes uh, yeah we are know? doing that we're doing quick quick fixes and yes. sending women out with a quick fix and it's temporary and then it comes back in some other form it certainly does and the form that it comes back in is not what we want we do no. not want <laughs> you know, this standard aging that Americans do. No, or or, or, or even Europeans or Australians, anybody yeah. who kind of listens to this, anybody in the Western world who who is following a classic allopathic approach is going right. to find there's not a lot of emphasis on root causes. But then, you know, seven minutes consult, there's not a lot of time to find a root cause. There's either. not a lot. much time. No, no. And I have, yes, my first consult is between an hour and an hour and a half, just just yeah. to go over the symptoms and the hormones. And, and, and I take care of, of women from all over the world. And what I've found is that the symptoms are very universal. I mean, when I started yeah. really understanding diet better, I thought, okay, my African patients, you know, they, they have a lot of sweet potatoes in their diet. They're going to do better. No, they don't. They really don't. And, you know, Asian women... Uh, I mean, they suffer greatly too. Women are quite ignored in some of those societies in yes. terms of their suffering. Yes. But uh, it's it's a it's universal. We yes. are so alike in terms of our physiology. In indeed, and and indeed, and and I think today, although there's a lot of conversation about Eastern diets, I think you know, having worked in Asia, I'm well aware of how much sugar has come into their diet in the form of sodas and fast foods and ultra processed foods are everywhere. Yes. 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 One of the one of the major illnesses in India, for example, is diabetes. Oh yeah. I mean, it's way up there. Oh they have very high levels of diabetes, often re related to eating a lot of yes. white rice as well. Oh, when when I put continuous glucose monitors on people, prescribe them, that'll tell you, you just take your phone and you you, know, you go like this, you mm -hmm. just look at the app. And one of the, the things that raises sugar the most is white rice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. It's I think it's worse than pasta almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't, well, I mean, you can eat it. They're sometimes foods. Let's put it like that. <laughs> Yes, and the things that raise sugar the most are, so there's the white rice, there's potatoes, there's uh, cereals, you know, Americans are very, very cereal-oriented, um, uh, the bread, crackers, and of course, you know, the sweets, ice oh, cream, yeah. 
and your mm. cookies. Now there's some healthy stuff. You can get even get some raw kind of <laughs> dessert, <laughs> which I yeah. occasionally like. <laughs> and you know, dark chocolate uh, is actually mm -hmm. a superfood. So in your shake, putting some raw cacao in there is is actually quite healthy. Um, I love superfoods in terms of nutrition. Absolutely. So when you're holistically managing a woman who's come to you with menopausal symptoms, you're really pulling together a complete um, uh, mind, body, soul approach, aren't you, Prudence? Yeah, because I have such a, a strong knowing, not a belief, but a knowing that we are spiritual beings very, very grateful to have this human body. And um, I've accompanied women, uh, you know, through the death process and have learned a lot about how the spirit just leaves and, and that body is, is done. <laughs> but can we keep the body radiant? You know, when, when I was at it, I went to UC Santa Cruz as one of my undergraduates, also in Europe, I was going to, to the university. And, uh, but there was a person called Martha, Ma Marshall McLuhan, and it's the medium is the message. <laughs> and it's like, I think we've gone a little too far with that, frankly, in, in advertising now. But if we want to be heard in terms of the great wisdom that women have as we age and our, our solutions and our, you know, women's leadership is so different than men's leadership. It's compassionate. It's listening. It's coming to a consensus where really hearts meet, looking for the best possible solution for, you know, many people. And if we want to really be able to bring those messages, we have to have an inner radiance. We have to maintain our wisdom and our knowing really who we are and and what we can accomplish. We need that strength. You know, we need our body. We need our body. Yes. And in not a body that's broken, that's tired, that's defeated. We don't have to do that. No. And I mean, we don't have to do that. We have lots of life. And menopause happens when there's 50 more years of life. Yes. And I think what women don't know, Lisa, is that once you go into menopause, it pretty much stays. <laughs> and, you know, of course, acupuncture helps and, and meditation and everything really can be done on a holistic and, and integrated uh, uh, approach. But we really have to make the decision. Am I going down that path of, oh, yeah, it's natural for the body to decline. That's what nature wants. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, nature kills off, off the, the animals that are no longer able to reproduce. But yeah. we have 50 more years or 40 more years of bringing our messages and our wisdom and our love. Mm. I mean, really, medicine needs to come from a place of love, not from a place of pharmaceutical dictionaries. Yeah, that I think that is the most beautiful thing I've heard described about what medicine should and can be. And you're practicing that yourself, Prudence, in, in, in your clinic. That, that it's not just about, you've got a symptom, here's a medication, go away and take it, see if it works, and then we'll just play about with the dose if it doesn't, as opposed to seeing the person as whole with the potential to be vital and giving so much to the world. And that's right. I mean, you and I are, are past our menopause, past our sort of perimenopause, we're in a completely different phase of life. We've got years of living left to live. I mean, we're only just getting going, I feel. <laughs> you know, that is the tragedy. So just when we're getting going, you know, our careers are at that, that stage where we really, you know, are, are beautifully in tune with ourselves and our careers and other people and communicating. And the children, if we decide to have children, are grown and on their own just when we're ready. We're the egglings that are hatching. It starts to fall apart. And it does not have to do that. No. Take this path. Not, not this path. Yes. You know, but it, it, I don't know if you get these questions, but women are always saying um, to me, and I think it's a legitimate question to ask, isn't this what nature wanted? And it's like, look, the salmon 
spawn and then die when they're two, maybe three years old. And, and so many, this is so common with life, you know, plants will flower, release their plants and then die, you know? Yeah. So we have strategies, integrated, very natural strategies and, you know, with, with some help, with some hormones too, some natural hormones to not have to go that route. And I mean, if you're having a heart attack and they say, well, you know, you may, maybe can have 30 more good years uh, if we rush you to the cath lab and we kind of open up your arteries. Uh, do you want to do that? No, no, it's natural. You need to die now. See, see, we don't have to do that. No, we don't. And we really don't. So the goal is to stay vital, deliver our messages, live our bliss, be in service to others. I mean, for me, that's the thing that makes me the happiest. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to really live your purpose or live just from the joy I mean, sometimes a purpose for someone is just reaching out to someone. Mm. And that's yeah. a huge thing to do. Yeah. To be yeah. I love that because I think, yes, this, this sense of what we're here to do, this sense of fulfilling our purpose, nourishing others, um, supporting others from a place of our own health and wellness is so beautiful so so beautiful so you mentioned bioidentical hormones a number of times prince tell us a little bit more about those because i think people are sometimes a little confused as to what that what that is and how that's different maybe confusing. to mainstream pharmaceuticals yes it, it is confusing it, it uh, in my gynecology and obstetrics residency i was taught to use primarin now, Primarin was created in the mid-1940s. And by the way, we didn't know about hormones in the 1920s or 1930s. We really didn't. So, you know, I think that pharmaceutical companies, which were just beginning at that point, uh, understood the suffering of women, and they were trying to alleviate women's suffering. And so what they did was they experimented with lots of different animal types. And they ended up by putting little tubes into the bladders of pregnant horses and draining the urine of the pregnant horses and then spinning it down into primarin. Prim is pre, pre, P-R-E, pregnant, mare is the horse, in is urine, pregnant marriage. And, you know, that was widely heralded as a way of resolving menopausal problems. Uh, I stopped using it in 1982, really, as soon mm -hmm. as I got out of my residency and they said, please do not do that. I went to Europe and I was going back and forth a lot between different countries at that point. And I realized that the, the Germans were starting to use these uh, natural hormones that were exactly the same hormones that a woman will make. And you and I have the same hormones and all women share those same hormones you know, that the horse's urine actually caused massive inflammation in the body. So there was a study that finally came out in 2001 showing that Primarin increased um, uh, heart disease, diabetes, uh, uh, dementia, strokes, and um, actually <laughs> it decreased breast cancer, <laughs> which is... <laughs> You know, I found that really like astonishing. How could something that yeah. creates so much inflammation decrease breast cancer? But they reproduced that study again in 2020, and Primarin alone decreases breast cancer. Okay, now do we use Primarin? No, I, I haven't used Primarin no. since really no. 82, no. 1983 at the latest. And we have these hormones now that come from soy in yams, and it's manufactured by pharmaceutical companies in the natural estrogen that women have is extracted from those. It is exactly the same hormone that women have. So when I'm measuring something like Primarin, you know, I don't see any of the natural, I see very small amounts of the natural estradiol yeah. that we're making. But yes. when I'm giving these creams and these, um, uh, these you know, compounded hormones, uh, which use the the pure essence of our own hormones, I see tremendous results. And, 
you know, levels change and um, there's no, it decreases inflammation, decreases heart disease, decreases cancer in general, does not raise uh, breast cancer. Although I do have women who develop breast cancer, but it's much less than women who are not on hormones. And, you know, that's interesting. A very small amount of natural bioidentical hormone that's in Primarin. It's a very small amount. There are 35 other different hormones in Primarin. That's lowering the breast cancer. So get rid of all those other horse hormones that cause all the problems and just use the one that actually works to, to be effective. So I call them bioidentical natural hormones. Yes. And the other hormones I call synthetic non-bioidentical hormones. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's a little distinction there. So I'm, I'm very much in favor of bioidentical hormones. I've been yeah. on them for, well, let's see how many years now, probably 20, 20, 20 <laughs> years, yeah. 25 years now. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And I mean, I think, I think what's interesting is though, there's a lot on the guidelines from say the North American Menopause Society and the British one that after a certain age, women can't be on them. So there is often mm -hmm. that conversation, which clearly, you know, you're, you're doing something different. Yeah. So the medical board uh, allows me to say that hormones help symptoms and help treat osteoporosis. It's the, the gold standard yes. for treating yes. bone loss. And it's like, what happened to the 20 years of research showing that it decreases dementia and Parkinson's disease? and is a tremendous neuroregeneration of the brain and, and decreases heart disease. Some studies show it decreases a heart attack death as much as 40%. And we said with all of the women I've dealt with, I've had four women who have had a heart attack, only four. And that's out of thousands of women. It's the number one cause of death in women. Yes. And uh, those women are all alive. They're all active. They, you know, one of them, we don't even know if she had a heart attack or not. The doctors say, well, we don't know, you know, <laughs> you know, okay. She was in my heart attack. And, yeah. and so this is a tremendous decrease in heart disease. Mm -hmm. it, it is also achieved through diet and yes. through a plant-based diet and through sleep and through, you know, a smart kind of exercise. So all the other herbs and the beautiful things that you know about and you teach your, your listeners about, you know, are involved too, but hormones are a core way of preventing heart disease and all these yeah. other diseases too. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is what we're learning or, or relearning from some of the data that's out there. And hopefully we'll keep updating the guidelines and support women more. Yeah. Guidelines are now about 20 years behind the research. Mm -hmm. And we don't yeah. have that time. As a forty-five-year-old yeah. woman or a thirty-year-old, we don't have that time. Yeah, yeah. Wait another twenty years, suffer. You know, <laughs> we, it's just yeah. we can't. Yeah, because the data is good and strong, and uh, I think one of the greatest endocrinologists in the world is Terry Hertog. He's out of Belgium, and he's just—I mean, this man is <laughs> third-generation endocrinologist, and he approaches, uh, uh, you know wellness in terms of a similar way that I do, where you correct the hormones and the data that he is in, in, in the lifestyle and then supplements, but the data that he is collecting in terms of decreasing chronic diseases is astonishing. <laughs> I'm really, he's one of the generators. So is uh, uh, Dale Bredesen doing tremendous work with uh, Alzheimer's disease. He was the head of the UCLA clinics uh, for Alzheimer's disease, and he's up at Bucks Institute doing research. And uh, so, I mean, there's there are really luminaries who are bringing this in. It, it's not unstudied. No, and I think that that you're right. That the guidelines are really lagging behind the science and the application of the science out in the world. Yeah, that's doing the women and a disservice, and women and women, women are not are absolutely. And one of the the huge. I would say uh, lapses in Western medicine is they have not approved testosterone for women and testosterone builds our bones and gives us an inner calm and a, a, you know, a kind of confidence and really helps the brain for men. It's, it's the most important hormone, but for women, it's a very important hormone. And 
I talk so much, Clarissa, about women's sex drives and about how they're doing with that, you know, that inner, that, that inner joy. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, women need testosterone and it's, it's not going to be approved no matter how many times people have gone before, uh, you know, government forums to explain it, including uh, Abe Morgenthaler's uh, Harvard group. You know, they've been very mm -hmm. instrumental in terms of trying to get that approved. It's just not, they're not budging on it. No, and they hate, I hate, I hate they hate, they hate bioidentical compounded hormones. Oh, now, course, compounded hormones. Oh my God. <laughs> Sets them in a spin. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, bad things happen to people who prescribe them. <laughs> I can say I have several arrows in my back as a pioneer here, but yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> Thank goodness. We have some very important medications. I am not anti-pharmaceutical. I also use the patch. The patch yeah. is a pharmaceutical bioidentical yes. solution, uh, yes. but you know we don't want to take that to an extreme. No. You know, um, yeah. Patches, when they aren't covered, can be two, $300 a month for women, and the cream and our little toppy clickers, and yeah. when they're compounded, are about you know maybe $25 a month. So That's you know, a big, big difference. Big difference. Yeah. Thank goodness insurances, some insurances and some Medicare will cover the patches and then, okay, great. But if not, I'm always saying go to GoodRx, <laughs> you know, try to get your coupons for any medication. Oh, Teresa, we're in a, we're in a state of rapid, rapid change and uh, yeah. it's dark. It's really dark. Yeah, it's some dark. of that's really dark with the health, with the health system, definitely yeah. in the U.S., but I'm not sure that it's better in Europe. <laughs> we can go down we can go down that rabbit hole quite fast here. Well, I'll but, tell you one yeah. one little story. This is just a second, two second story. Yeah. Uh a week ago a patient of mine had been in France and she developed very bad pneumonia and really where she was really almost she felt like she was almost dying with high fevers, couldn't breathe, so she went to the hospital. And they gave her homeopathics. She said, I'm going to be admitted. I'm going to be on massive IVs. They gave her homeopathics. And oh, she yeah. said within a day she was well. Oh, so yes. it's like, no, this was, a, this was not a private doctor's office. She, no, mm -hmm. the hospital. Oh, so, yeah. You know, Germany, Europe, they are more open to taking the waters and, you know, oh, all this. Oh, definitely, like, definitely. That, that's yeah. true. I think 70% of German clinicians prescribe some form of herbal medicine yes yes so, i love yeah. herbal medicine so do i i love it mm -hmm. if you had to give you know a single piece or some vital advice to women who were coming into perimenopause uh what would that be <sighs> okay so it's a little bit more multi multi pronged. So first of all, recognize what is happening. Recognize the symptoms. You could go to your doctor at 36. They won't even measure your hormones. They're going to say it's all in your head. They're going to give you medication for it. So recognize and be very proactive with your doctor. And if they won't help you, find one who does. It's to, to be in a, a weak position is no longer necessary, needed, or or at all what I'm encouraging women to be. We are strong beings. We know our body. If somebody tries to tell you that it's normal and that's not what you're feeling, run. I mean, people, people <laughs> yeah. will give books, you know, to their doctor trying to educate them. They still won't listen to that. So, you know, be self-aware. It's mm -hmm. not your fault. This is really happening and there is help for it. So that's the first thing my first message. And the second message is there is radiance that can occur from this and be generated from this in terms of knowing yourself, <laughs> you know, loving more greatly, <laughs> authentically sharing and creating relationships like you never maybe were able to do as a younger, you know, more busy person and really allow that to permeate your yourself to create really the beings that we are meant to be and that we are encouraged to be. So know the symptoms, get the help, follow your bliss, follow really, it's not the end of your life, it's the beginning. It is the beginning. I mean, 
we hadn't been able to recreate ourselves really since we were teenagers. So, you know, at two, three, four, we create ourselves. As teenagers, we recreate ourselves. This is the third chance that women are given, men are giving it. We're giving it yeah, to recreate <laughs> who we are and what we want. And <laughs> so grab that power. Use it for the higher good. Use it for your pleasure in bliss. And we're going to have a great time together. We're going to be active and vital and, and helping each other and communicating and changing the world. We are the change. We are yeah. the change. We are. We need to be. <laughs> the world needs yeah. us to be. Oh, thank yeah. you, Clarissa, for being so... Uh, I mean, I'm absolutely in love with you already. It's just so beautiful with what you're doing. And, well, the um, same here. The same Oh. <laughs> I've been interviewed by, you know, Oprah and all these people, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful people. But I have never felt in an interview this inspired and this really. Oh. <laughs> so thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. So before we, before we close here for that, thank you so much. Tell my listeners where they can get in touch with you. So if they want to okay. connect, work with thank you, you, I'd love you to thank do you. that. So I have a book that I wrote. It's called Radiant Again and Forever. And if you go to my website, thehallcenter.com, you can put your email in and the book downloads right away to you. And Suzanne Summers was very dear to me. I've been in many of her books. And she just said, Prunes, this is the book you need to write. So I wrote a book and I showed it to her. She said, Prunes, that's not the book you needed to write. Write this book. She's done so much for women. So I wrote this book, Radiant Again and Forever. And it really goes into menopause solutions, low thyroid solutions, low adrenal solutions, sex drive, do do, do hormones cause cancer, you know, and it's just free. I'm here to educate and to serve and help. So I would love for you to get that book. And that's how you can reach me. I'm there too. And um, I'm starting women's groups where I'll have 12 women online and take them through, you know, a deep emotional, mental, physical process of menopause. And they'll end up with their hormones balanced, um, good ideas of uh, what, what their marching orders are because they're going to create those marching orders. And, you know, I would, I would love to see some of your clients in these groups if they need help. That's brilliant. So we will put that in the show notes. And I love that your book is free. I mean, that's incredibly oh. That's wonderful, Prince. Thank you I for being just a delightful guest. I, I think my client, my listeners will have got so much out of this. I'm so grateful that we connected and that you've been mm-hmm. here in this conversation. I would love to interview you on my uh, channel. Of course, I'll put this on my channel, but I'd love to interview you and your process and to hear how you came about all this. So thank you yes. very, very much. Well, thank you. And thank you for that invite. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And wow, wasn't Dr. Prudence Hall amazing? When I listen to her, I just feel inspired about what our second spring can be about and how much we can thrive through menopause. Next week, join me when coach and former business leader Sherry Clark joins me for another uplifting conversation as part of our series of talks about positive menopause through the World Menopause Awareness Month. And if you want to learn more about the work I do, then do jump onto my website, clarissachristiansen.com and get in touch. Find out what programs I have, what free resources I have, or book a discovery call with me to learn more about how I can help you to thrive through menopause. Until next time, go well.